Uh, listen, I promise not to take a lot of your time. Um, we have some real cool things to get into today. As you can see around the church, we have some things to prepare and some people to bless, um, of which I love doing. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to kind of just give some context on the why. Why are we doing this? You know, um, not that I think we need it. I'm sure for many here, you know, that, that question's already answered. Um, but I'm not necessarily wanting to address the why because I'm looking to answer people's questions. I'm, I'm trying to get into the why because I want to see um, longevity in this area of our church. Like, I want to see us live a very missional lifestyle where we are um, paying attention to the needs of our community, not just this church, but our community outside these walls, our city, this, this city, Cambridge. I really want to kind of set up for us a foundation of true living, I guess, in this area where we are a focused and even bent, even, even demand that we be missional. And, and I, I just want to get into some things briefly, probably for like 12 minutes, most, most likely, uh, of things that have helped me understand God's heart in this matter. Uh, I'll, I'll be in a bunch of texts, um, but uh, you don't have to feel pressure to look there with me. I'm going to just give some summaries and some context, and, and then we're just going to get right into the f- uh, festivities, okay? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, but Jeremiah 29 um, has been a helpful um, portion of Scripture for me uh, in, in kind of getting some perspective, I guess, uh, getting kind of a bird's eye view of the heart of God for people outside the church, outside his own people, the people who follow him, the people who profess faith in him. Um, Jeremiah 29 is a beautiful passage, beautiful chapter where we get a snapshot of that heart, um, that, that love and that compassion that God has, um, uh, for people. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure that's no news to you. We know that God is love. We know that God loves the world, you know, so, and, and that love is just not reduced or just has to do with, or just for the people of God. Um, it's, it's outside of, of that family as well. God's love is outside and definitely for those who are not followers, are not disciples of Christ. Uh, but Jeremiah 29, I'm not going to get in verse 11, you know, the famous, for I know the plans I have for you. That was an old Kent Henry song. Anybody know who Kent Henry is? Probably not. Okay, two people. Awesome. Uh, he wrote a song um, out of that text. Uh, we're going to kind of jump up a little bit ahead before that uh, precious promise that the prophet Jeremiah gives us um, in verse seven, actually, primarily. But let's get some context uh, just a little bit, briefly. And, and again, I, I wanna get too far into the weeds here. Uh, I just wanna set some context so that we understand a little bit about this particular chapter. Essentially, Jeremiah, Jeremiah excuse me, 29, is a letter. It really is. It's a prophetic letter. It's inspired by God, written by the prophet Jeremiah to some exiles who are now in Babylon. They've kind of been plucked out of their home in Jerusalem, um, you know, not under the best circumstances either, you know, uh, but they're placed in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And, and interestingly enough, given the circumstances, I think it's interesting, um, God kind of pleads, actually he doesn't plead, he commands his people 
uh, to kind of progress in the natural kind of order and system of life. Meaning, God wants them to have families. God wants them to um, build careers, plant gardens. You know, he, he wants them to flourish in Babylon. He doesn't want them to get trapped up and, and kind of cease from progressing in, in, in kind of the natural orders of life. He wants them to flourish in Babylon in certain ways. And what he says in uh, verse 7 is tremendously helpful. Um, and we can read there uh, if you want, if it's up on the overhead, if you have your Bibles out. It says this in the letter. Uh, but seek the welfare of the city. Again, he's, this is God speaking to his people, now in exile. Um, he's saying, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Wow, that's interesting. We won't get into that, but that is very interesting. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. I think that's remarkable, really. Uh, and it's such a, a, a look into the heart of God for his people and those who may be kind of outside, you know, being his people. Uh, God clearly wants uh, uh, um, the children, uh, the, these his children involved and invested into the culture, into the community of Babylon. Uh, the word welfare means to um, have one's basic needs met. I, I think that's awesome because that's essentially what we're going to be doing here today. We've heard the needs of some organizations in our city, and we are fit to meet those needs. And we actually feel compelled and, and almost commanded to by God to do such. Now, um, there is uh, some um, controversy, I guess, over this text. I guess when it comes to the Old Testament, I don't know why it exists. It certainly doesn't exist in my mind, but it's certainly out there in the Christian world where I guess uh, Tim Keller, unbeknownst to me, I actually found this out this week. He wrote an article on this um, very chapter. And essentially, to be brief, he kind of outlined uh, kind of uh, uh, a, a blueprint, I guess, if you would, for uh, churches that find themselves in cities like he is in New York and we are here in Cambridge for city missions. And he kind of used it to kind of set up um, how we should approach missions in urban areas like we are in here in Cambridge. And uh, it got some kickback, you know, um, because I guess when it comes to the Old Testament, it's a command. Um, some believe in the body of Christ that we should not give any attention to those commands, that we are a new covenant people. And I guess we can wrestle with that a little bit later, maybe as we get into the season of Advent. But um, one thing that I want to do in trying to address that, if it needs to be addressed for some here today, is I want to take a look briefly, just briefly, at the life of Christ. Because I do think we see some of these things the Jeremiah details in the life, embodied in the life of Christ, meaning more specifically his ministry, the way that he ministered to others. I mean, um, I would say confidently and quickly, because I'm trying to be brief here, that Christ most assuredly met the needs of the community, of the people. I mean, outside of like the blind uh, seeing, the sick being healed, um, the hungry being fed, I was astounded to find out just how much of, of Jesus's ministry Food. I, it's just like, I always thought it was weird. Like when you drive, you know, and you see the old church, the Baptist church come for our potluck dinner. I'm like, that is weird. Like how trying to sucker people in for some hot dogs and beans. I mean, what the heck? But a lot, a good majority of Jesus's ministry happened and took place around feeding people. I think that's remarkable. And then again, there's Jesus's first miracle, um, which 
he turned water into wine, friends. Uh, you know, he's at this marriage celebration and the wine's getting low and all the guests have drank. And so Jesus snaps into it and blesses it. And well, he turns water into wine. So I would say quickly, as quick as I can be, that surely Jesus did meet the needs, uh, the basic needs of his community, of the people around him. Further, more in Luke chapter 10, and this is where we can kind of land and we'll kind of wrap up, okay? In, in Luke chapter 10, if you're familiar uh, with the story that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 10, you see that he gives a story of a man who kind of made a journey um, from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, and uh, along his journey, he was robbed. He was beaten and robbed. Um, and, and he was kind of left for dead, essentially. And, and as the story goes on, Jesus talks about a priest who essentially just like, you know, gave notice and kept on walking, you know, like kind of ignored the basic needs of the man who was dead or half dead, left for dead. Uh, and, and then as the story goes on, you find that there was a Levite uh, who, who did the same thing as the priest, just kind of went on and, and kind of ignored. And then uh, Jesus says, uh, well, there was a good Samaritan who actually um, witnessed this man left for dead and uh, helped him. And, and Jesus goes through the story and kind of details how this Samaritan man helped this man who was left for dead on the side of the road. And, and, and remarkable, at the end of the text, at the end of the chapter, Jesus says this to the audience, the people who are listening, now go and do likewise. Now, I, I'm, I'm kind of, there's a lot of things that I'm leaving out there, but that, that initial command where Jesus kind of you know, sets up this good Samaritan as someone who didn't just ignore, you know, the needs of this man left for dead, but got involved and was proactive. He saw something and he did something. And Jesus said, now go and be like this Samaritan. And, 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 you know, of course, he's speaking to us, right? I mean, he's addressing his audience, but we feel those words laying heavily upon our hearts. And if we don't, man, we should ask for some awakening, you know? And just God sensitize this heart because surely we are the light of the world. Like, we are the people of God meeting the needs of this fallen, broken world that we live in. And even if it's not enough to really bring a, a massive shift and change at least we're not apathetic in doing nothing, you know? And, and that's kind of just briefly the heart of what uh, um, we're getting into today. That's what this is all about for me anyways. And I hope that as we go on into the details of the rest of our service, that it becomes that for you. <laughs> that, that you see packing some care packages for some people who are maybe not as fortunate as some of us here who, who do live on the streets as we pack those packages and as we write those exhortations that we do it with a certain kind of conviction and love uh, that we kind of take on the posture of that good Samaritan, right? That's what I hope it turns into for us. Last passage, and I think this kind of will um, be the capstone here and kind of just land this nicely. And you're familiar with the chapter and you're familiar with the verses. It's in James chapter 2, um, 14 through 18. I'm going to read these verses. Um, and, and, and again, again, this is the heart. This is the motive behind what we're doing here today. And, and again, I'm aware that some of us don't need to be inspired. We're already naturally inspired and, and we incline, we, we want to do these kind of things. But maybe if you find yourself just like not caring, maybe this will... Put a little bit more care in your Scrooge little heart. As a joke. <laughs> James says this. 
<laughs> that was a joke. It really was. I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, what good is it? I, love, I just love that kind of language. Quick to the point, a little abrasive, uh, a little confrontational. I love it. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, I love that he gives that analogy, that illustration, and lacking in daily food, clothing and food, you know, simple. If they're lacking in that, and, and, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things they need for their body? What good is it? I'd agree, James. You have, you have my attention. What good is it? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. Oh, I, I could get in trouble with that here. But um, anyways, we'll leave that there. It's, it's, um, faith without works is dead. But, but someone would say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. We're doing something more than just packing bags and wrapping gifts and giving them to people in need. We're, sh we're sh showing people our faith in Christ Jesus by our works. And, and, and these are things, I believe that these are foundational things for our community to learn and adhere to so that we can continue on into the years to come living very missional and very community-minded, not just in the community in these four walls, but the community that exists outside. You know, I'll just leave it here because I detail just some of the ways in which Jesus met the needs of people. But you know what? Um, there's a big need that we had that Jesus met, and that was our salvation. You know, and, and um, where I, where I want to kind of land, and this might be a little bit like a, a, a hard transition for some, but I want to extend um, that gift to some in here maybe today who have not yet experienced that gift that Jesus gave, that, that gift of salvation. You have not yet put your faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, I, I want to extend an invitation for you to come and receive the greatest gift from God ever extended to humanity. And, and so I'm not going to assume everyone here for a moment believes and follows and is a disciple of Jesus. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to assume that at all, but what I am going to do is extend an invitation and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hang out here. We're going to quickly transition because we're going to have some fun. All right. We're, we're going to get into things. We're going to bless some people and we're going to feel energized by doing such. But what I'm going to do, if maybe you've come here and, 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 and you're kind of seeking some things out, you know, you're kind of interested and maybe there's some things happening in your life behind the scenes and maybe, maybe you feel like there's some kind of outside force outside of your body kind of pulling you into something and you're kind of entertaining the thoughts of salvation and giving your life to Christ. I'm just going to hang here and I want to talk and I want to meet with you and pray with you at the end. So I'll be here um, for that. Uh, 
with that being said, as we try to move fast, and I try to keep this not awkward, um, I want to invite Lily Carly up to give us some instructions. <laughs>